Welcome to The Open Door Policy. Each week on this podcast, we sit down with a different guest and talk about a letter. Archbishop Vigneron's Unleash the Gospel Pastoral Letter. Let's do it. Let's talk about it. All right. Be about it. Each guest we have on this show we think is living it out in a new and exciting way. Before we get started, if you like what you hear and you want to help us be part of this movement to unleash the gospel, be sure to subscribe and share our podcast with your family and friends. And while you're at it, leave us a review on iTunes. This episode, we welcome Sister Kateri from the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity. Friends, how are you? Hey, Danielle. Great. How are you? Super awesome. I heard you just had a special week. I did. I was on retreat this past week and just had so many graces God gave me from that time. You know, one of them was just to turn back to the Lord for me, thank him for the gift of my priesthood. Uh, I feel like the past number of weeks and months, I got so caught up in the work and the doing that I hadn't been really thanking the Lord for the gift of being a priest. And um, it was a great time to shut off distractions and just say, thank you, Jesus, for calling me to be your priest. Dude, that is like speaking to my heart. It was awesome. Yeah. Danielle, any, gra- any grace in your life these last few weeks? Um, No. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> there has been so many, but I do want to welcome our guest. Super grace to have Sister Kateri with us. How are you, Sister? I'm doing well, thank you. It's great to have you here. Are you ready for rapid-fire questions so we can get to know you a little bit better? I am excited and ready. All right. All right, I'm going to start off, Sister. What is the most used emoji you have? I think it's just general smiley face or probably praying hands. All right. What would be your walk-up music? I like Christian praise music, so anything like that would be exciting. Any particular song or... Uh, I don't know, just... Matt Marr, I probably is one of my favorites. So anything by him. Sister, what is your favorite piece of religious art? Pretty much like anything by our Blessed Mother, but I also love Caravaggio, so anything around that would be. What do you think's overrated? Overrated video games. <laughs> <laughs> and sister, what literary character would you want to be friends with? I was just talking to the kids at school, and we were talking about one of their books we're reading. And Green Gables. Mm. Oh. <laughs> right. uh, what season would you fall? Um, what is the best piece of advice you have ever been given? Recently, somebody's like, sister, just be yourself in everything. And I was like, oh, I love that. What is your favorite Bible story? Mm-hmm. Esther. Nice. What non-traditional pet would you have? We're talking zoos, <laughs> circus, jungles. Mm, I think I'd have a monkey, I guess, or an <laughs> ape. I know that sounds weird, but... <laughs> that's it. That's uh, Rapid Fire Questions. Thank you okay. so much. That's great. So, sister, who told you recently to be yourself? Was it one of the kids in the school? No, it wasn't. <laughs> um, so it was one of the uh, sisters. We have Sister Elizabeth, who is an IHM. She teaches at Holy Redeemer, and she was giving advice on becoming the new principal. And she's like, sister, just be yourself. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Esther, good, great book of the Bible, great prayer. Is there a favorite part that you're like, Queen, you're getting it done? I just, I just love the whole story in general, but I think it's that that quote of maybe you're called for times such as these, yes. and so it's really just that is so inspiring for everybody. So I really love that part. Like this is the time that we're called to be who we are. Right now. Yeah, and the courage, the courage that she needed in her time. Yes. Yeah. Sister, what, um, 
uh, Anne of Green Gables. I have never Are read you that. Serious? I'm sure that is you one know of it. My it. I know. Too. Yeah, it's, it's she's a good such one. a good one. I'll just sit back and let <laughs> you two talk about her. <laughs> I know, so random, but the kids are reading it in school, some of them. And I was like, I loved that book when I was yeah. your age. And the girls are like, you do. And so they're doing these little dioramas that they're um, building of one of the chapters in the scene. And I went to the group that's building them. And I was like, what scene are you doing? They're like, where Anne and Gilbert made up at the end of the Baby. book. They made up at the end of the book, Father Steve. You would actually wow. really like it because she's ginger <laughs> too. I took the liberty of speaking to the trustees about an exchange. I'll be getting Carmody and, and you can stay at Green Gables. Thank you for giving up the school for me, Gilbert. It's very good of you. Ew. Is she Canadian? You're right. Yes. She Canadian. This is like the Prince yeah, Edward Island. Yes, yeah, see, you do know I, it. I know bits You're and following, pieces yeah. of it. Cool. Okay. Guess what? My grandma had a monkey. I probably shouldn't. She did this not. Is, this was like back, back, back before there were like animal laws. And she did. She a, yeah. She wow. did. In her house, there was a spider monkey. And it would throw the dishes and break them. And so she had to get rid of it. Did you ever meet? No. This is when monkey? she was like a young woman. No, 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 no. So, yeah. Anyway. I have never <laughs> met a monkey in my life. Have you met a monkey? Um, I mean, like I've seen them. Yeah, seeing no, like <laughs> like touching a monkey. Uh, yeah. no. If anyone is an animal trainer, Father Steve would like to meet a monkey. <laughs> is what I just heard. And sister. So yeah, yeah. yeah this we is about sister. A monkey. Yeah, yeah, we would like to. See we a would monkey. like to yes, see please. one. Please <laughs> learn about it in a respectful way that is in line with its dignity. Video games are overrated. Yeah, not a big fan. Did you play them growing up? Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I had brothers, so we had, of course, I'm, how old am I? We had a Nintendo, you know, so that's quite old. Tell me a game you played, a video game you played. Oh, we had Zelda. Zelda we had Mario. Okay. Yeah, no. Were you good? No. My oh. brothers would always finish it, and I'd, after a bit, just quit because I wasn't that into it. But. Yeah. I agree. I never got into video games. We would play them sometimes as kids, but I never found them, like... Uh, not addicting. Not addicted, or like I don't think I even wanted to finish a game. <laughs> I got bored like ten minutes in. I'm like, okay, that's enough. I wasn't one so that's I like. Agree. I think actually for a gift one time for Christmas, I had the Game Genie, which okay. cheated and jumped you like twelve that levels. Is so funny. Your brothers gave it to you because they're like, we feel sorry for you, and we just like <laughs> want the competition. Maybe. Game over. No way. Because we got Game Genie. So okay. I could finish very easily. I could just jump to the last level. It's a great segue into how you became a, a sister. So, oh yeah, level up. <laughs> cool. So, sister, we'd love to just hear how God's working in your life, what the Lord's doing uh, right now uh, to kind of reveal Himself to you. Okay, so exciting news. Today is actually my anniversary for Final Vows. Get it! That's awesome. So it's been kind of a celebration in my head, at least, and in my heart all day. Yeah. um, Because it's been so five years ago today that I made my perpetual vows, and I've been a professed sister for 10 years with the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity. And I would just say um, more and more, the more I grow in— religious life and in my relationship with Jesus, just how much he's been calling me to rely more and more on him. Mm. And I know my time in Detroit has really just been, like, that's just been a marking of this time. So two years in Detroit, right? Mm -hmm. It'll be two years this August. 
And I remember when I was first asked to come to Detroit, I served um, on a Native American reservation in North Dakota. So I was on the Turtle Mountain Reservation for eight years. And I got a phone call from my superiors and they're like, um, we were talking and then she said, I want you to sit down. And I was like, oh no. Right. (laughs) When does that happen? Oh no, what's this mean? We need to have a talk. Yeah, and I was like, oh, okay. And so on the phone, she's like, "We're, we're thinking of moving you. To open a convent in Detroit. And wow. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I said yes, of course, um, out of obedience. And and it has really just been um, a joyful, really, discovery of my relationship in a new way with Jesus. How many sisters are here now? There's three of us. Got it. That live in the convent. And um, starting off, like, really not knowing any Missies and being the first sisters for Salt— um, it was definitely a challenge, you know, to not be able to. It's one thing when you get reassigned to a new convent and you already know, you know, their sister's already there. They established everything and right. you're just jumping in. That's yeah. fun and that's great. But to uh, be the first ones to jump in was a little It's a little scary, I would imagine, right? A little scary, a little. What surprised you about Detroit? I would just say the amazing generosity of the people that we've met. Yeah. It has been really so overwhelming that I just, I'll take it to prayer and be like, Jesus, I can't believe the people that you've sent in our lives. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because people have just been outpouringly generous, helping us, especially with our convent. And and just being so generous with, sister, is there anything you need? Sister, how can we help you? So much so that in the beginning, you know, I was asking for help and I just, I didn't really know what to do. To, to fix our comment, to kind of just get situated to be turned into a yeah. comment. Mm-hmm. And um, to where I just gave it to our Lord and said, Jesus, I need you to help me. And I was like, you're the guy in the situation. I need you to really be the man in this relationship and take care of the house. I have to teach at the school. And, right. um, and slowly people were coming up to me saying, hey, sister, I hear you need help at that house. Can we help you? Wow. We're, we're, instead of me going to them, Jesus was sending them to us. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, Lord. I can't be blessed enough. Yeah. That was Sister, did you always want to be a sister when you were a little kid or I actually never had the idea of being a sister. I I did go to Catholic school, so I did see some sisters, but they were usually like retired sisters mm-hmm. that um they didn't really teach your class, so I didn't really get encounters with them. Yeah. And so I just I didn't really see it as an option until I went to college. And then when I was in college, a lot of my friends were discerning, and that caused me to be like, well, I should be open to this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Were you practicing at the time? I was. So I went to Franciscan University. Got it. In Steubenville. And so a lot of my friends were just, we would challenge each other to grow in our faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so— um, what I, it, uh, Go ahead. Sorry. I know a few of them were like discerning religious life or at least open to it. And with that, it caused me to be like, well, I need to be open to this also. Yeah. What were you studying? Uh, education. Hey, that's a good fit. And <laughs> yes. then how did you un, um, kind of discover this order or were you a part of the founding? So I, after, so my senior year at Franciscan, I was thinking I would want to do missionary work and do something where it would be like volunteer teaching or something like that. And the Society of Our Lady, which I actually did not know anything about at the mm-hmm. time, came for um, vocations fair and they were looking for teachers to teach on a reservation in North Dakota. And I was like, 
I do want to volunteer, but I do not <laughs> want to go to North Dakota. <laughs> so okay. I was like, well, that gives me an idea. I want to volunteer. So I looked into di- different possibilities, and they kept contacting me saying, <laughs> I think you should come to North Dakota. And I was like, oh, boy. Um, but the more I prayed about it, the more I was like, I think the Lord wants me to go to North yeah. Dakota. Wow. And I ended up then volunteering there. And um, through that, I got to know the society. And really, it was my first year volunteering that I felt called to religious life. Right. How long, uh, when did you enter? So, so I entered in 2006. Nurse, what, what is the difference between a sister and a nun? Yeah, I, we get this a lot. Sure. So a sister, I always tell my students, um, you can see me. So I'm right. a sister. <laughs> Nuns are cloistered. That means they remain in the convent. And their real apostolate is prayer. So they stay and they choose this life to stay and pray. And they don't leave the convent. Um, but sisters are active. So they have active ministry where they're out serving and teaching people about our And so. Did you ever feel a call towards contemplative life? Or were you always like pretty sure. But yeah, I, I did, was open to it and just praying about that. Would, was our Lord calling me to more of a contemplative order? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But our community is contemplative active, so we kind of have the best of both worlds. And you're right now a teacher, mm-hmm. right? And soon to be the principal yeah. of your school. Were you a teacher like for all of your apostolic work? With your community? No. Um, for most of the time in North Dakota, yes, I taught. But then I did take a year off and I did, I helped with formation. So I was um, aspirant servant. So 10 years in religious life of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um, and then two years in Detroit. Mm-hmm. If you had to sum up like, like the godly theme of these past 10 and two years... I really just think our Lord, for me personally, um, every year just reveals the truth that a consecrated sister is a spouse to Christ, and that in a deep and more unique way, He reveals how that relationship is important to me and to our Lord. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that really has been my theme, is just coming to know Him more and more every day as a spouse. And if, if you think about married life, you know— uh, husband and wife get married, and their journey together is to grow every day closer to each other and right. learn new things about each other. And so I feel like in prayer, just mm. Jesus reveals a different kind of theme in that similar relationship, you know, because I feel like in Detroit, the theme has just been trust and let me provide for you. Mm. And um, and yeah, just, but it's all woven through, like, I'm your spouse and I'm going to. And he's faithful. He's very right? faithful. And yes. you say, like, I will provide for you. Just hearing you talk about how, like, coming here and saying, how do I start a convent? Right. Like, hi, I'm the new, <laughs> the first sister here <laughs> in this area. Uh, hi, you want to help? <laughs> oh, and no hablo espanol. Right. Yeah. Ah, right. I was like, Jesus, wrong fit, not me. <laughs> right. I don't think I'm supposed to be the right so one. So this is in the heart of Southwest Detroit, Mexican town, mm-hmm. and yes. like not knowing Spanish. <laughs> Does Holy Redeemer <laughs> even have an English mass? See. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, that means yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, Father. Say nada. Spanish is getting good too. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Wow. Muy good. That's, <laughs> we should do this bilingually. Yeah. Okay. Next episode. I think we Spanish. are. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much. It was an awesome, awesome just to hear your story. So, Sister, one of the things we really want to talk with you about is consecrated life. Um, And so that comes out of 
the uh, pastoral letter in Marker 5.3 that this renewal in the Archdiocese of Detroit, Unleash the Gospel, has a particular place, a particular role for men and women who are consecrated, those who are religious sisters or religious brothers. Can you just share with me a little bit about your thoughts about the role of consecrated life in the church? First of all, what an exciting time to be in this archdiocese with the Unleash the Gospel. And the role of consecrated life more and more um, is really just to be that witness of our call to um, communion with our Lord. That hopefully when people see a consecrated brother or sister, that they see, okay, their life should point to heaven. And that's mm-hmm. that's our whole goal. And that just the witness of not me even saying anything, but just be by my being as being a consecrated, that hopefully people recognize within me Christ and that it brings their minds and elevates their thoughts to prayer and to our Lord. Yeah, so, you know, we read and Unleash the Gospel, consecrated men and women bear witness by their lives to the priceless treasure of Christ, the pearl of great price that is worth selling everything to attain. That your relationship, the intimacy, the kind of spousal intimacy you talk about, was worth giving up everything in your life for because Jesus is worth that. That teaches me something as a priest. It teaches, I think, Danielle and kind of the rest of us something about the value we should put on our relationship with Christ. Right. So we're talking about marker 5.3 here. Um, Another thing um, that is mentioned is it says, we thank God for every religious order, uh, congregation, society, and movement that is present in the archdiocese, each with its particular gift. What would you say is the particular gift maybe of your community in your experience or even your particular gift? Okay, so our the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity, part of our charism is uh, we have a Marian Trinitarian spirituality. We serve on ecclesial family teams in areas of deepest apostolic need. So, you just said a lot of I know, words. I'm going to explain it really words. simple. <laughs> break that up really easily. Okay. So Marian Trinitarian spirituality, of course, we're all consecrated to our Blessed Mother. And really, it's our lady. Like, she is the surest way to get us to heaven because she was the one that was here with our Lord. And, I mean, he chose her as his mother. Yeah. And Mary just— she gently just guides us. Mm-hmm. You know, I love this. There's a phrase in St. Louis de Montfort where there's this image that he he portrays in True Devotion where it's um, Our Lady, you're, like you're going to Our Blessed Mother and you have like this plate that you're going to give Our Lord and it's like, uh, I don't know, I think it gives like an image of like an orange and it's like kind of disheveled and you want to present it to Jesus and she's like, let me just fix this. She cleans it up and she <laughs> polishes it. It's like, now let's present it to him. And it's like giving our gifts to our Lord, but through the hands of our Blessed Mother. And so um, we all have a consecration to Our Lady. And mm-hmm. then hopefully um, through that, share that consecration with others. Um, and then we serve on what we call ecclesial family teams. So um, part of our charism is that the priests of the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity, the sisters, and the lay faithful serve together in our missions. So that's our goal. And in Detroit at Holy Redeemer, we have our the priests and the sisters— that serve on teams with, we don't necessarily have official formated um, salt laity, but with the parishioners that are sure. faithful, that we serve with them to try to then evangelize the community of Southwest Detroit. And I think that's just a beautiful gift to have all vocations together in witness of living really our call to holiness. Sure. And that we really can touch anybody through, you know, the d- different vocations. Yeah. 
And then um, last, we serve in areas of deepest apostolic need. So the need of the bishop. Okay, so he has blessed us with the community of Holy Redeemer. So that obviously is where he sees a need. And, um, And so the parish and the school there. And so to be able to then just serve in that area of need. I think that's one of the, like the the charisms of religious life is to go to those places where it's hard for other people to go to or maybe people are afraid to go there or just like it can just get forgotten about, right? Right. And I when you talk about the deepest apostolic need, I just think about the beautiful witness of consecrated men and women. I think of the missionaries of charity, of sure. course, um, but especially your community willing to go into places and say, no, we're going to come and live among people mm-hmm. and we're going to share the faith by the witness of our lives, by our words and our deeds, and to bring them the love of Christ. Yes, yes, exactly. So your your communities in uh, Central America and Mexico as well, right? Yes, Mexico, Belize, Guatemala, uh, we're throughout the United States. And we're also in the Philippines, um, Thailand, Papua New Guinea. Because it's when was your order founded? 1958. So new-ish, yeah, fairly new, right? Yes. It's not like it's older than me. It, <laughs> wow! Thanks for giving that away to all the listeners. <laughs> now they know. Now they know. But um, like, what do you what do you think that your order, you know, and you guys bring in a fresh creativity to Southwest to the Archdiocese? You know, I think really it's part of that um, our gift of the ecclesial family team that the community, at least of Southwest Detroit, can then see us um, living our charism of the priests and sisters working together, that we're calling each other to holiness in our unique vocations, and that we joyfully are working together. Like So we are a joyful band of missionary disciples right. going out. And um, hopefully just that witness and that bringing, like I said, the lay faithful at our parish into that, you know, we—, we try to sometimes on weekends we'll go to different families' houses for outings or for meals and we go as a team. And so to then just be that witness of our friendship with each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sister, I go to uh, the March for Life every year, which is an awesome event in Washington, D.C. in January. But one of the great joys at either the Mass or the March itself is just seeing the variety of religious yeah. life, right? <laughs> yeah. Like all the different habits <laughs> and the different um, kind of get up is a better term for that, right? <laughs> habits. Yeah, habits. We'll just stick with habits. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just a an awesome witness to me. And I, I just keep thinking about like how that has formed me over the years. Because I would go mm-hmm. in high school and just think like, man, I don't see religious everywhere. I don't know, mm-hmm. Danielle, when you were growing up, if right. you interacted with a lot of those. But I just think like as a priest, that has been an awesome gift for me to get to know sisters like you and other religious. That's really interesting because um, one thing you were saying, sister, is that your consecration is a witness to all. And it's and it's interesting because you might be like the first like encounter that someone has is like, huh, I wonder. Well, the listeners can't see you. So you you are in habit and you wear a gray habit and mm-hmm. a cross and then also, um, yeah, so it's, it's full gray veil. habit, veil. So everyone, everyone who sees you is like interesting, something different. She is different, right? Yeah, if yeah. I see you in the airport, <laughs> yeah, I'm I get like, it a lot. <laughs> yeah. But even someone like I don't know, high school father Steve, who grew up in a faith-filled family. <laughs> that is probably what you were like. Yeah, I, I just pictured it in Sorry. my mind. But like even that witness, like the witness still stands, even to someone who is faith. Yeah. 
I even get excited seeing other sisters. <laughs> How funny is that, right? I'll see other religious consecrated, hi, and hi I'm guys. like, oh, it's so nice to see you, sister. <laughs> Yesterday, we took a field trip to the zoo, and one of my students was like, sister, there's a priest here. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Hi, Father. But it was so neat right. to see, you know, yeah. another, like, a, yeah, another religious. So, um, yeah, I think it really is. And sometimes it's, it's such a day-to-day witness that, of course, I, I don't recognize it, right? Right. Yeah. But little times, like, God allows me to see that the kids are paying attention. Not necessarily in class, because sometimes I'm just not sure about that. <laughs> but um, but definitely through the witness. I remember one of my students, I was like, okay, it's time to go to Mass. Let's line up. And the one girl said, sister, um, you, do you go to Mass every day? And I was like, yes. She's like, you like it, don't you? And I was like, <laughs> I love going to Mass. Right. Like, it's the highlight of my day. And she just stopped, and I could tend she was just pondering that. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. was like, Wow. Like, that's a beautiful, just that. And I was talking to one um, one of the sisters in the comments, Sister Solanus. I was like, sister, like, people see your joyful witness, and it is impacting kids. It yeah. is impacting those around. So, you know, the kids, they look to us, yeah. and they, they're like, okay, is sister excited about this? And right. when we are, they're like, okay. All right. Like, All I right, should get this, amped up. Right. Or why is she excited? It makes them at least think, yeah. why is she excited? Um. And of course, in a school, you're, you, you teach in a Catholic school. So there are going to be Catholic students, but there are also going to be students who are not Catholic. Mm-hmm. Have you, like, what, what is your interaction like there? The majority are Catholic, but mm-hmm. for the ones that aren't, of course, they know it's a Catholic school. So they're right. going to be learning about the faith. Um, I, I always, like, encourage them to ask me questions. Sure. And I also encourage them, I want you to get to know the faith and question it. So that maybe, maybe one day you might desire this, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and, and just, you know, just to be open to it. It's interesting because, yeah, we do have a few kids that aren't Catholic. But even today, like I took the eighth graders to the convent and we had um, time for adoration. And they, I was just like, I just want you to look at Jesus. I just want you yeah. to talk to him and thank him for this school year. Mm-hmm. Thank him for your time in Catholic school. And if you have worries or concerns about the future and going to high school, give it to him right now. And they were all silent. And the wow. one kid afterwards was like, sister, I just told Jesus. And he was telling me what wow. he was talking about. And I was like, good. But they need to see me desiring to have adoration. Yeah. Because yeah. they kind of look at me during it. Not, I was sat in the back, so they didn't really see me. But but they do pay attention. Like, like how is she interacting? Of yeah. course. What's your and posture? And I always What's say, like, this is Jesus. You need to look at him and believe with faith. And so they, they pay attention. Like, do I you know, they want to know, does their teacher really believe this, you know? Right. And so I think when they just see that witness of that, they're like, okay, wow. And if they don't believe themselves, they question it. Right. The the other part of religious life, I think, which is a beautiful witness, you're talking about the witness of faith, the witness of uh, the primacy of God. Um, one of the things that strikes me about the witness of religious life is the community right. and the joy of being in community together. That has to be... Uh, a tremendous gift for I, you. I think that's what helps us really um, strive to continue with our apostolate is that yeah. we have each other. Thanks be God. And that we um, we really encourage each other when we're struggling, but then when we're doing great and we have a lot of consolation, it's like, yes, we can keep going. You know, this is exciting. And then when it's a hard time, you know, we're there for each other. So I think, yeah, it the, really that's what keeps me going is th- my community life, you know. So um, we were talking about Esther, favorite book of the Bible. Maybe you were born for such a time as this. Um, what, maybe like what, if you could just 
speak a little bit into like, what would your dreams be for unleashing the gospel? Like, what do you still think would be beneficial and helpful in Southwest and in this archdiocese? Um, well, I know for me personally, um, I am really excited about my new assignment um, as um, serving as the new principal at Holy Redeemer next year. And I think part of the Unleash the Gospel hopefully will really come into play um, through that apostolate, yeah. you know, and just to be able to, okay, how can I better serve the students and families and help them to grow in their faith and to really um, of course, always daily to be praying for them. But then what what is God asking me to do to really bring Christ to all the families there? Yeah. And so I I know I've been pondering that a lot and just to see like what is he asking me in that capacity. Yeah. Not not to go back to this too much, but just to to think about for me the witness you provide that religious life provides for the two challenges right now, like a crisis of faith in a lot of ways mm-hmm. from people, you know, leaving the faith right. or feeling um, the the brokenness of the church or people who are inauthentic to see someone living it out radically. And I think religious do that for us. And then the witness of authentic community that God wants us to find joy in each other and to build each other up. And I think that's, those are a couple of the ways that, um, consecrated life are 11 to us in the Archdiocese of Detroit. Yeah. So I, I, one time at a retreat using my Italian sign language, it means a while ago, <laughs> I listened to a uh, religious, like a, uh, what would they call it? Like a vocation panel. Right. And I was like, <laughs> had a little bit of an attitude. I'm like, I've listened to a million of these, but then like this, the, there were these two religious, they were each like, one was like 97 and the other was like 98. So these people were like, like live in the life. And, um, and I was just so touched by what they said. And I remember one thing in particular, there was this religious sister and she had been a religious sister for decades. And she was talking about like all this stuff she, she had done serving in refugee camps, like really powerful stuff that you're like, girl, you have like impacted people in a really positive way. And at the end she started giving just like, just kind of reflecting on her life. And she's like, yeah, when I was reflecting about on my life, I thought to myself, I thought that this was going to be my gift to God, but it turns out it was God's gift to me. Mm-hmm. And that that really really touched me to think um this is this is like this is for the church, but it's also such a personal love story. Like mm-hmm. you were talking about, right? Like God is always calling you to to trust him deeper, to know him more deeply. You never can give enough to our Lord that he always gives us so much more in return. Yeah. And, and yeah, sometimes it's so easy to fall in that mindset. Okay, Jesus, this might give it to you. And then he's you're like, w- you're welcome. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. And then he's like, no, really, this is my gift to you. And he just overwhelms us with just so many more graces than we could ever imagine. Really? Yeah. So I'm doing like, as we're talking about this, I'm thinking there might be a listener who is, is contemplating religious life. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, what would you say to someone who maybe, maybe has never thought about it before, maybe has thought about it, maybe is thinking about taking a step? Like, what do you think would be a good step or, or word to, for them? First, I would just say always be open because um, really we, we have to be able to open our hearts up and pray for our Lord to just guide you in his plan. Um, that 
that that's really the first thing is I just, I want it, Lord, I desire to do your will. Tell me what it is. That's really the most important thing you can do. And then through that, um, if you feel that you're called to a religious life, no pressure. Like it's no pressure. Just, you know, the next step would be like, let's contact a community. Let's go visit, do a come and see. And it's not like you're joining instantly. Just (laughs) it helps you to be more open and open to that discernment. Could this be for me? You know, the, the most important thing is God wants you to be happy. But he wants you, the greatest joy you're going to have is by being happy doing his will. Yeah. And so you just have to be open to what his will is. I know I was, I was not really at all thrilled about the idea of religious life, but I prayed that prayer. I was like, Lord, I want to do your will. Reveal it to me. And then when he did, like, honestly, I know this is my vocation and I'm very joyful and I love it. God's got a plan for your life. And his plan for your life is for your greatest happiness, right? Mm-hmm. Amen, Father. Happier <laughs> than you could ever imagine and happier than you could be on your own. Sister, tell me the weirdest or funniest thing someone <laughs> has said to you, like in public, in your habit. Um, I was at the Science Museum in Detroit, and <laughs> some, woman, <laughs> some woman um, came up to me and said, I really like your hat. And I was like... <laughs> Thank you. And I was like, okay. And I was like, all right, my hat. Um, I, uh, that was that was pretty pretty odd one. Um, but yeah. yeah, I guess yeah, those. I haven't had too many here, at least. But okay, that's great. Yeah. Uh, before we let all of our guests go, we always ask them if there's any word of encouragement or any prayer they'd like to share. Any kind of final word? Um, I guess it's really just um, be open. And be faithful to our Lord because really he is the joy of all of our hearts and uh, he desires to give his joy and his peace to all of us. It was such a blessing to sit down with Sister Kateri and see and hear her joy in serving the Lord in consecrated life. And once again, before we say goodbye, if you liked this episode, please share it with your friends, your neighbors, your relatives, your Trader Joe Cashier. You can also leave us a review on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our handle is at Open Door Detroit. Help us unleash the gospel. Open Door Policy was produced by Ron Pangborn and the creative team of the Archdiocese of Detroit. Say hello, team. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> I'm Father Steve Polis with Danielle Center. And this has been another episode of Open Door Policy. Open Door Policy.